Welcome to the Joy of Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Dr. James Taylor. On this podcast, we explore the passion and purpose of leadership. Join us to explore lessons in leadership that demonstrate how you can live in the center of God's will. All right. Hey, it is great to be able to have Dr. David Balick and Chuck Gilliam. Is it Gilliam? Gillum. Gillum. Okay. I, I always William say William Gil- with a G. William with a G. Okay. And Gillum. Soon, and soon to be Dr. Gillum. Soon yeah. to be. The Ed S is it's coming. There, so we're, we're working. What are we doing? Dissertation, Dissertation. right now? Dissertation. Okay. Fun good. times. Okay. <laughs> well, these guys are, are two great friends. Uh, they're, they're two of the guys who are really moving and shaking with uh, ACSI, the Association of Christian Schools International, uh, an organization that I believe in with my whole heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, the, all three of the schools that I've been in have been, have been members with ACSI and, uh, and, and just making an enormous impact, not just in the U.S., but really in the world at large. And so uh, it's a pleasure to have you guys on the show. Uh, I, Finally, other people will hear another Canadian accent. I, I get I get mocked for my Canadian accent. I I was pondering just singing the Canadian anthem when we started the show, but hey. uh, but you know I that'd be a first. I'm guessing <laughs> that would be a first. That's right. That's right. So hey, it's great to have you guys on the show. Uh, I'd love to just kind of learn a little bit about your own stories first. Uh, you've got vice president behind your name, David. So you're going to go first, uh, and so and so tell us a little bit about kind of how God prepared you. Uh, for this role, and maybe maybe before you even get there, tell me a little bit about what your role is right now at ACSI. Well, I appreciate that. It's uh, it's it's changing. Um, so, I have served as VP USA over the last few years, and uh, now Canada is being added to the mix. Mm. So, how crazy is That's that, awesome. right? And I tell folks, um, I wouldn't make a big deal out of being Canadian, you know, in the past, but this is just so clearly a God thing. Um, you know, how does God? Uh, have a Canadian become vice president USA and then um, ex- quite literally expands his territory to include North America. Mm. And uh, so that's where we are right now. And it's part of the move towards uh, becoming global. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more. You would think we were already global and we are in many ways as, as the association of Christian schools international, but um, lots happening to sort of expand that vision. And uh, we can talk a little bit more about that as we go, but um, yeah, born and raised in Canada, and then I uh, was a police officer there for a period of time. When you talk about God preparing you for things, um, I, I knew uh, after I'd met my wife, rededicated my life to the Lord. I've been in Christian education ever since, but um, as a principal up in Canada, and then God moved us to Decatur, Alabama to be a head of school. And uh, so I've served in, in a few different administrative roles, most recently at uh, Briarwood Christian School in Birmingham, Alabama, mm-hmm. before I came on uh, board with ACSI in 2015 and kind of went from being a Southeast Regional Director uh, to Senior Director, Eastern Division, which is what Chuck's doing now. And then Dr. Larry Taylor kind of officially appointed me as VP USA, as I said uh, a few years ago. So it's been uh, it's been a fun ride and um, uh, exciting these days to be a part of ACSI, that's for sure. When does it officially be, when does it become official for your VP of North America? Well, it kind of... <laughs> That's a really good question. Uh, it kind of is. Uh, you know, we're moving to either six or seven divisions globally uh, all around the world. And, um, you know, it's kind of been ACSI 1.0, as I like to refer to kind of that first 40 years of, of existence. Uh, did a lot of great things. And, uh, you know, obviously, um, 
uh, has been fulfilling our mission, you know, as an organization for for a long time. Um, but we um, we were very USA centric mm-hmm. for a lot of that time, and and that kind of stood to reason because um, the revenue. Uh, pretty much all revenue was being generated out of the USA. Mm-hmm. So USA was kind of the big dog and uh, everybody else kind of got in line with what was happening in the USA. And w- uh, the sort of the global emphasis was not an afterthought as much as it was, um, you know, kind of, okay, now how will we translate this, or, you know, to our to the global scene? And uh, a lot of folks around the world didn't really appreciate that. And I think it <laughs> there's a little bit of arrogance maybe wrapped up in that. Um, and, um, but we're, yeah, but we're changing. The ACSI 2.0, mm-hmm. you know, is, is emerging. And uh, part of that is, you know, our, our, our strategic plan, which we're building on right now through 2030. Lots of exciting things happening there. And um, yeah, God is very much at work in ACSI and in Christian schools, as you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Uh, growing. Uh, HCA, uh, I know, is growing. And, um, Chuck and I, you know, we're just thrilled to to have a role, you know, a small part in all of that. Um, as you've as you've kind of been in the in the ACSI world, I'm so intrigued where you're saying that that people weren't responding to that global part, that global portion. That's frankly, even when I was first starting out, that was fr- frankly one of my favorite parts about it, knowing that what we're doing is is a small part of what's taking place from a global perspective. And, and frankly, with the new president, Larry Taylor, no relation of mine, uh, <laughs> but but as, as Larry's jumped in, uh, in that president, presidential role, he's been doing a phenomenal job. And I frankly have loved the idea that he, he has emphasized mm-hmm. uh, the mission field, that if we're going to, if, if the gospel is central to what we're doing in the Christian school movement, then it, it just makes sense that that gospel would be spread globally through the method of Christian education. And, and it has been, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to diminish what's, what happened kind of those first mm-hmm. 40 years around the world. A lot right. of great things happening, a lot of great people working uh, to spread the gospel and to fulfill our mission you know, as an organization around the world. It's just now uh, we're becoming more integrated, mm-hmm. I think. And North America b- will be one of seven divisions, global divisions, not as much kind of the way it was in the past with USA uh, being here and then kind of the rest of the world. Right, right, we're we're right. going to be one and, and aligned and united. And it's a big job. Right. I mean, we're, this is a... Um, uh, probably a five to 10 year process at minimum to get to be truly global as we like to refer to it. But, but we're working on it. And, um, you know, I think God has brought in, uh, you know, our president, Dr. Larry Taylor, uh, people like him and others, fresh wind, as I like mm-hmm. to refer to you, fresh wind blowing through organization. Chuck is, is very much a part of that, uh, that bring a, just a, a fresh set of eyes and ideas and asking questions and things like that. And, to get us where we need to be, where we believe God is leading us, and that is to become truly global mm-hmm. as an organization. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Chuck, let's hear a little bit about you. You're kind of hometown guy yeah. uh, in Atlanta. this area. So, so tell us a little bit about kind of what God has done. First, tell us about your position, and then tell us a little bit about what, you brought, what brought you there. Yeah, so my role is Senior Director for Eastern Division. So my states that I work with are Florida to Maine. In that division, we have probably about 930 schools, about 270,000 students. So it's actually the largest division of ACSI. We're divided east, central, west. Um, and, and for those who may not understand ACSI, ACSI is actually the largest Christian school association in the world. So mm-hmm. about five and a half million students worldwide, globally, is 
uh, as David was uh, talking about earlier. So, but prior to that, you know, I was at Eagles Landing Christian Academy in the Atlanta market. I was there 22 years. Unbelievable. So I, I started there in 99, kind of worked my way through the process. And I spent the last, well, around 2008, I became assistant head of school, then head of school. So about 12 years or so uh, leading the academy. And uh, 2020, which was a unique year for everyone with COVID, um, I actually accepted this role um, in February of 2020, right before you wanted COVID out, hit. Wow. You wanted out. <laughs> <laughs> but I spent, I did, I did do all of 2020 and uh, into 2021 at Elk. I did both roles. Okay. So uh, my role really is uh, taking care of member schools like Hebron. So how do I assist you as a large school leader? How do I connect you back to the resources of the association? How do I network you with other leaders? Um, so my job is really to, what can we do to create flourishing at Hebron by connecting you back to who we are as an organization? Okay. So I just take the, and you know this, you're sitting in the seat. I take the, the practical things that I learned as a head of school, and I try to um, utilize those every single day through consulting and resources, all of those pieces to help you thrive. So as David mentioned, great season. I think between year on year for over the last two years, the Eastern Division has grown by right at 50,000 students, mm. which our Christian schools are exploding right mm. now. So, um, and not only that, not only are our schools exploding, but we have so many startups right now. Uh, we're really seeing a, a season of churches wanting to start Christian schools mm. and um, micro schools, all different types of thinking around Christian education. So, uh, praise the Lord, uh, expanded opportunity for us right now in this sphere. So throwing it out to, to kind of all of us, what, what, what do you see as the primary cause for that growth? I know obviously we can say COVID, uh, but, but COVID was almost a revealer. Uh, so what, what, what are you seeing as the primary causes for that? Yeah, I think, I mean, COVID definitely, uh, <laughs> there were a lot of parents having to stay home with their children and uh, who were in the public sector and, were actually listening to some of what was being talked about and, and uh, I think became much more uh, acutely aware of some of the curriculum uh, that kind of ran counter to, mm -hmm. to their beliefs, to uh, their values. And so COVID definitely uh, has played a factor. But I think just in terms of the culture uh, in, in sort of more broadly, um, we believe that more and more families are... Um, you know, tired of, of some of the, the move, uh, movement in the culture, some of the messaging in the culture, things that are happening that, again, run counter to who they are as a family. And, um, and they're looking for a, a healthy alternative mm -hmm. to that. And um, our Christian schools have been doing such an amazing job. Um, and, uh, and, and so I do attribute, I think, folks just growing tired of some of the, the foolishness, if you will, within the culture and, and determining we need something better. Right. We need something better for our children. And, uh, and the Christian school up the street is becoming a much more viable option uh, for, for many families these days. What do you, what do you think, Chuck? I agree. Yeah. I, I, Dr. Swanner was talking about this. Lynn Swanner, she does thought leadership for us research. And we are having a lot of fleeing parents. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we're seeing a lot of that. They're getting away from something. I don't know that they necessarily know what they're going to. And what our Christian schools are doing is a great job of, of trying to sell that to them. That's now, right. 
what is fleeing create? It creates a bit of a, sh- a culture shift within the Christian schools. So you have all these new families that are coming in. So we now have to come alongside of Christian school leaders and say, how do we orient those families to Christian education? How do we not allow those? Um, may- maybe they're, for instance, the school I was in was an outreach school. So you had some unbelieving families that were coming in. How do we help them understand culture, vision, mission, core values, all those things so that our culture doesn't shift right, right as an institution? I think that's where we're at right now. So our focus right now is what does good growth look like? Everyone's right. growing. Right. But is that a good thing necessarily? It is if we do it well. Right. What and does healthy growth Healthy look like? growth yeah. is yeah. a critical right. piece right now. And I think that's what a lot of our leaders are trying to wrap their minds around mm-hmm. as to how do we manage this going forward, this season of growth. I see so much institutional analysis taking place from a lot of other leaders where they're really evaluating what is our mission? Mm. How are we living that out? You know, um, what is the analysis of what we're doing well, what we're doing poorly? Uh, and and, and I, I think really I'm, I'm working with a lot of guys who are pretty seasoned folks who maybe haven't been asking those questions as deeply, but when you're adding in a 20% or a 30% growth rate, uh, how do you remain mission centric? You mm. know, and I think, I think that's really su- such a crucial component is that if we're just in this, you know, like I, I always say as a, as a Christian school, we have to do the school portion of that extremely well. Like we, we have to be great academic institutions where we're really providing opportunities for kids. But in the same regard, we have to do the Christian portion of that well. And, and so, you know, for us, we have to be focused on how does the gospel impact this educational process? How does the gospel impact the way that we train up kids uh, and really train teachers on training up kids? You that's know, right. that's, it's vital uh, to what we're doing, you know? Um, do you do you see like is is this causing is this an impetus for uh, looking forward to seeing voucher systems or giving parents a greater level of a cho- of choice and if so where are you seeing that in the U.S. or maybe maybe David just where you're jumping in on North America too where are we seeing that in the U.S. and Canada yeah absolutely I mean we're we're seeing uh, more and more states that are passing uh, uh, vouchers that are giving opportunities for, you know, taxable uh, uh, benefits as it were, you know, for, for families that are pursuing private education. You know, we're part of CAPE, uh, the Council for American Private Education. And it's, it's been beautiful to see, I think, especially in recent years, how um, different denominations, you know, partnering with uh, Catholic schools and, and Jewish schools, we all, um, you know, covet, and, and, and want to have uh, religious freedom, mm-hmm. you know, and choice in, in this country. And uh, so, so CAPE and, and the advocacy and, and uh, lobbying of, of that organization and others has been huge. But I want to go back just for a minute to, you know, your comments about being mission-centric. And I, I just think that's so critical, um, especially when we talk about good growth, as Chuck said, and as you were touching on, um, so important that we don't drift because mm-hmm, the temptation mm-hmm. is, and we see this happening from time to time where um, because more and more families in uh, in open enrollment schools are not as interested in the biblical worldview integration or the Christian side of things, they want high level academics. And uh, so part of the consulting that Chuck referenced earlier, you know, we do board training, we try to come alongside our, our leaders so that they um, will stay very much on mission, you know, in terms of what they're doing. Um, 
you know, our mission going back to what Chuck was saying earlier is to strengthen Christian schools and equip Christian educators worldwide. There's that worldwide piece as they prepare students academically and inspire them to become devoted followers of Jesus Christ. So those two, we used to say a lot at Briarwood, they go hand in hand. They're not mutually exclusive, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We want to do both with excellence for the glory of God. You're doing it here at HCA. Mm-hmm. James, we're so uh, just proud of the, the the amazing work that you're doing. And I know you've got a great team here. Um, we want to continue to support that and, and to come alongside to strengthen, uh, you know, what schools are doing missionally and uh, whether it be academic excellence, spiritual excellence, and, uh, and, and just to support and encourage um, consistency in that, even through uh, some of these, uh, you know, they're great times in terms of growth, but they can also be challenging times as right. well. Right. Um, as we're as we're kind of thinking through that, just for the for the listeners who are who are you know listening in on the show, it's it is important for them to understand. There's kind of two different models, right? That you have a covenantal model, and then what I always used to call a salt and light model. Some people call it an evangelism model. What did you guys missional, call it? Chuck? Yeah. Missional model, you know. Yeah. And so, my last two schools, they were both missional, or or I'd call them salt and light. Uh, the school that I'm at is covenantal. So so our our you know from a covenantal perspective, just so that listeners can understand that. Uh, that at least one of our parents has to testify to being a born-again Christian. Uh, they have to testify to regular church attendance. And, uh, and then that kind of allows us to say, hey, we're in a similar uh, missional goal you know, in life. Uh, a lot of schools operate in that missional mindset, which I also think has real has has real validity. I don't I don't necessarily think that one's better than the other. I think that it depends on where you are. My last school in Savannah. We were missional, we were salt and light, and so, you know, there I would have parents come through, and they might be coming from a Muslim background or a, or a, a very, very different background. I had a fairly large group of families that came in from a Hindu background, but when I would interview the families, I would was super specific with them to say, hey, listen, if your kid just comes here and gets a great education and they just go off to Harvard, uh, we've failed them. You know, like yeah. we, we want them to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And so Amen. that becomes something where we say, hey, I, I, we want you to fully understand and acknowledge that we're going to openly uh, evangelize your child and we want them to know. And frankly, in each of those meetings, I had a chance to open my Bible and to say, here's what that means for you, you know, and had a chance to walk through the gospel story and, and to, to teach the truth on that. I think if schools are being really deliberate with it, I think that that can really function. But how do you maintain Mm. that anchor because I, th- I think all three of us could sit here as guys who love this field who are called to this field all three of us could sit here and do a totally different show on schools that used to be christian that aren't anymore absolutely uh, the truth of the matter is if you if you you know look past the the ivy uh of most institutions in the u.s on the university level they all started as pastors you know colleges, Bible colleges, you look at Harvard, you look at Yale, you look at Princeton, you look at all of these universities, they all started with Christian roots, and yet they've strayed from those. So how do you guys, as as leaders who are charged with the East Coast for you, Chuck, for all of North America, uh, I feel like you need a theme song for that. Uh, you know, like like if we're, if we're charged with that, how do you encourage people to, to keep the center of the center? Mm. Yeah, so I think for me, when I was head at Eagles Landing, um, when because we were missional, and I think that model has its strengths mm-hmm. and it has some weaknesses. Right. It it, um, it depends on the families that your community is producing, and and can you continue to guard the the mission? 
But I think it comes down, this is a Chuck Gellum opinion, and what I tried to do was, I think it comes down to the people you hire and how you develop right, them. absolutely. Where drift happens is in poor hiring. And when you start hiring people who are off mission, mm-hmm. um, it can become a train wreck. And mm-hmm. so the, 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 big, the biggest issue we're facing right now with Christian schools is the staffing piece. Right. Because they're growing so much, the staffing can't keep up. So the, you know, the... The thing that you might, the trap that you may fall into is let's hire someone who's a little bit off mission because we have to put this person right, in this right. spot. And, and certainly there may be seasons where you may, I mean, I, I think everyone needs to be able to articulate the gospel. They need a general understanding of Christian ed. Um, they need to be active in the local church. There may be certain things you may say, all right, I can develop this person on. That's right. But I just, I, I, I would express to parents, to, to, to leaders, the hiring process is critical and putting those people in those classrooms that stand in front of our children who have an understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and also what it means to have a true understanding of Christian ed, biblical worldview integration. Those are the pieces that are very important. And then that internal staff development piece, which is what you would do here at Hebron, how do we train them? I may take this you know, young teacher or this teacher who's a little raw or rough, but I think within a couple of years, through a development process, we can have them become, you know, I don't want to overstate the word expert, but to the point of being an expert and what does it mean to integrate biblically? Mm-hmm. And so the students will always be similar, right? People would ask me that and say, how are your students different from the local public school? I would say, well, they're actually very much the same. What's different is that I've interviewed every single one of these teachers and they can articulate the gospel and they can stand in front of your children and share the gospel with them and integrate biblically, meaning that they can connect the dots between content and God's word. To me, that protects, that protects mission. And you know that, right? I right. mean, that's what, that's what you're doing here. Right. And, and I'll, I'll mention real quick, just to pick up on what Chuck said, you know, ACSI, one of you know, the important things we try to do, apart from the consulting role, which is really, really important, develop resources, right? So that we are able to strengthen and equip our schools the way, the way our mission says. And, um, and so biblical uh, integration, biblical worldview integration, our partnership with the Colson Center, for example, be um, uh, just one example of resources that we're providing our schools so that you're, you know, you're not left on your own to try to figure it out. And there's, hey, there's other resources out there as well. But as an organization, um, we don't want to just talk about, uh, you know, helping our schools in certain ways. We really do want to produce uh, timely, helpful, uh, robust resources that are that are going to um, uh, make your job just a little bit easier, James, you know, mm-hmm. in what you're trying to do. Because like a frog in a kettle. You touched on the ivies earlier. All it takes is, you know, one, as Chuck was saying, one bad hire or a couple, you know, yep. where the the shift begins to occur and, and um, all of a sudden the culture has changed dramatically. And a lot of times, you know, we, we see this among boards and heads of school. They're, they're, they're wondering, how did we get here? Mm-hmm. How did we get here? And uh, so if we take our eye off the ball, and, and succumb to sort of the pressure of maybe hiring someone that doesn't maybe, maybe their testimony is, you know, a little wishy-washy or not as strong as we would like. And, uh, and it can go from there, like, like a frog in, in the kettle uh, as an illustration. But um, so we've got to be so careful. And I think that piece, you know, part of what we do as ACSI is to try to exhort, come alongside, try to make sure that we're 
uh, encouraging our schools and school leaders to, to not go down that road. That's right. There was a book out, and this was a long time ago, maybe 20 years ago, but it was actually called Dramatic Drift. Mm. And they, they traced back a lot of those, you know, the, the most prominent, most prestigious institutions in our nation. They actually traced back yeah. when that dramatic drift began to take place. And it, it always, I mean, in every single situation, it tacked back to one specific senior leader that was hired uh, that yep. didn't have the same mindset that didn't choose in, in each of those in each of those cases, didn't choose the gospel as vital to the mission that they, they strayed from the idea that, that, Hey, now we're only an academic institution. Mm. We're going to lose that faith portion. It always tacked back to one leader who was then supported typically by a board who, who didn't oppose that or did, you know, and so it, it, it always places to me such a weight on our shoulders as Christian leaders that, uh, you know, we've all we've all been heads of school. Uh, it has always been like mind-bogglingly terrifying to see how how hmm. an institution begins to f- to reflect what that leader is. Uh, that if that leader's in the word, if that leader's really studying and understanding who who Christ is in their life, typically the institution reflects that. And if they don't, it reflects that as well. You know, and you get that idea of the dramatic drift, I think, you know, which is which is so crucial to it. I love I love how you guys are really filling our toolbox now um, with really some cutting edge uh, resources. I love the changes that are taking place with the teacher accreditations uh, help that, that ACSI provides. To me, that's a vital piece of, of what you guys are providing as a, as a very large, very global organization and institution. Um, it's, it's so interesting to have, to have schools all over the world and yet the same message is being proclaimed. You know, like, Amen. how can that happen apart from the gospel? You know, right. it, it's, it's kind of staggering for me. All right, let me come back to the idea just because I'm, I'm so intrigued with kind of what's taking place in Christian education across our country and maybe even the world. Where do you see the brightest lights taking place in some of the states for the pursuit of Christian education? Are there, are, is, is there specific weighty legislation that's taking place in certain states? Are you seeing victories being fought, uh, victories won uh, in different states on this idea? I know we've got a conference coming up in D.C. and yeah. Uh, in September on some of the legislative wins. Walk us through kind of where we're seeing yeah. uh, some of those victories taking place. So when I think about benefits of ACSI, one of the probably number one benefits we hear is our legal. Mm-hmm. The, the portion of ACSI where we are on the front lines defending Christian ed. So we at ACSI invest heavily in legal legislative and advocacy. So we literally have a, a public policy department and a lobbyist George Trifiatis, who does a fantastic job, he's in the halls of the Capitol in D.C. working on behalf of Christian education. So I, I kind of I, I summarize that as sort of a passive benefit. You don't feel it every day, but it's happening. Right. And when those membership dollars are paid, they're paid to help resource that office and advocate on, beh- on behalf of schools. So in Georgia, we um, have always experienced relative peace right. when it comes to anyone going after us. I think that's going to continue to change. Obviously, I think there's been some political shift in the state of Georgia, so we'll see what happens with that. But one of the things that comes to mind right away is, especially in the Northeast, some of our New England schools in particular, they're up against it. We have Mm -hmm. a Christian school in the state of Vermont who they're going through this right now where they chose to uh, step away from a competition because of the transgender issue. Their Mm -hmm. girls were going to be playing against a transgender male uh, in a competition. 
And as a, as a result of that, they were excluded from all competitions in the state. Basically, the, the association said, if that's what you're going to do, then you cannot participate. That's where we step in. That's where we come to help and defend. And so we partner with groups like ADF, Alliance mm-hmm. for Defending Freedom. And, and currently right now, we are defending them, working with ADF. We are defending them in court. Now, it's not been settled. We're, we're going to fight for them. We're going to hope and pray that um, we, we win in that and can support them. But those are the types of things that are happening. And again, in Georgia, we may be thinking, well, that, that's really not who we are. But it is, it's coming to a school near you, right? Yes. And, and so we encourage schools, when they see those types of things, reach out to us so that we can come to the defense. And, and there are probably two or three examples across the USA where we're dealing with similar issues where we're stepping in and saying, you cannot treat Christian schools different than you do other schools. And partnerships like ADF have been monumental in helping us. We uh, had attorney Dave Cortman from ADF yeah. uh, on the show uh, the first, first season. And uh, one of the superheroes in the faith, his, his wife is actually my assistant. And so uh, it's something that I hear about a lot, you know, where, where, where he's arguing in front of the Supreme Court, you yep. know, really on, on the front lines of what these issues look like. Um, I think, you know, we're talking about Canada a little bit. Uh, British Columbia is going through a huge, yeah. a huge transition. Yeah. You know, you look in British Columbia, there's a very large Christian school movement. Um, and they're really wrestling with that idea because they've been partially funded by the government That's right. uh, for like over a decade at this point in time. And, uh, and so that, but now they're looking at saying, if you take the money, you also have to, you now have to teach your children these truths. Um, and, and, and that's a challenge. Yeah. You know? And I would offer a, a, just a shameless plug to, to families that might be listening. It's important that they advocate too for mm-hmm. Absolutely. and yeah. them calling even state reps. For instance, Georgia, in my opinion, is lagging behind on the school choice process. Mm-hmm. We have a, pro- I mean, we have our program here with, with SSOs and sure. tax, tax scholarship, but states like North Carolina, right. which is surprising, North right. Carolina, Florida, Florida, these states are Michigan, on the forefront, Michigan, Arizona. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and there yeah. is legislation right now in the Georgia Assembly that came up last session, will come up again to expand school choice options. And really it comes down to, um, it's not ACSI making those calls, but families that's right. making those calls and saying, we need to fund these things. Right. We need to be able to use these dollars for our children to go to private education. A lot of times people misinterpret like what well, this message that we're talking about is somehow we're we're against something. Right. And and the the message there for me is very much about parental choice. Yeah. Mm. In that, you know, in Gwinnett County, I think the funding structure here is ten thousand nine hundred and eighty eight dollars, I think is what mm-hmm. the taxation rate is. So every student that's being funded in the public school system, they're being funded at at a rate similar to that in each state. And and the truth of the matter is that my children never went to public schools. You know, they they were in, in the schools where I've been working at my you know for their whole lives. Uh, and and the, the argument then becomes, shouldn't a parent have the choice to be able to take that taxation dollar and move that into the area that they choose? Now, I believe that very strongly working in Christian education, what's a byproduct from that? Well, it, it means that there's going to be uh, Muslim schools and there's going to be Sikh schools yeah, and there's going to be... Right, there's going to yeah. be all of those things. Yep. But, but my whole point is, is that, it, first of all, if we believe in true equality, then equality should be for all. 
that, that I should be able to have a Christian perspective on things and I shouldn't be bashed for it. In the same regard, if you want to have a different perspective, I'm all for you having that different perspective. And, and frankly, I think that we should be able to, as citizens, be able to make the choice of, I want my taxation dollars to go here to educate my children. And I, I think it's coming. Like, I, like we're Absolutely. seeing some of those glimmers of hope yeah. in some of the states, yeah. uh, which, I, th- which I, think are, I think are coming. And they're coming over issues, which is what kind of you're pointing out with this idea of there, there's, there are legal battles taking place and there's legislation being passed because of those legal battles being fought. You know, um, are there particular like we've mentioned? We've mentioned this one issue. Are there other particular battles like we've mentioned North Carolina? Are you, are you seeing the legislation uh, that ACSI is also lobbying for and, and fighting for? Are you seeing headway being made? Are there particular uh, points that, that that we can be thinking about and praying about as far as victories that are that are happening? Yeah, yeah, I would say in North Carolina they just expanded their school choice program so. You go from, I think it's 6500 now to $7,500 per child that mm-hmm. follows that child wherever they go. So it's an incredible That's program. Awesome. And what we call on school leaders to do and what we'll do through the legal legislative department is we'll mobilize voices. So like in Pennsylvania is a good example of this. Pennsylvania has a very strong Christian school network that mobilizes their voice. So anytime an issue comes up, they're, they're going to be at the forefront of going down to the Capitol or talking to their congressman. And we're trying to get that more in the Southeast right. because we've enjoyed that peace. It's not as mobile, but in the Northeast, we're seeing more of it. So critical issues, I would say, uh, Vermont Christian is a school that we need to pray for. Mm-hmm. They're up against it. They're, they're facing um, a challenging situation where they could be banned from p- participating in athletics. And so we need to pray pray for, for the, the leadership of that school because they're in a hostile, they're in hostile territory. Right. They're, they're hearing it. They're getting, they're under attack. It's not as though the media is for them. They're against them. And so they're truly having to take a stand in the midst of, um, you know, something that we're not facing here, but, but that head of school is facing it mm-hmm. and they're hearing it and they're having to do something hard and difficult that the world says is mean and ugly but in reality, we know that they're doing something that is, is standing for the gospel and the truth of God's word. And okay. so I think praying for those leaders in the midst of those places, like, you know, even in California, some of the things that they're facing there is what we can do to help and support them. I was so, just going to say that I was out in California with uh, Cecil Swetland, our Western Division senior director, just uh, several weeks ago. And um they're, they're dealing with some of the very same kinds of issues, I think, within their athletic system, uh, requirements for transgender athletes to be able to participate. They're not even giving the Christian schools an option. Uh, you're either with us or you, you can go uh, join some other, you know, athletic association, that kind of thing. It's just, um, it, it, it's very, very challenging for them. And one of the things that, uh, you know, our vision through 2030 and beyond is to have uh, an advocacy field director in every state. So, so we've kind of expanded this field. We piloted this field director model, part of our reshaping over the last several years. Started out with two. Doc Sherrill was one, mm-hmm. you know, uh, from uh, NRCA. Uh, and he's, uh, I guess, emeritus right now, you know, former um, head of school and superintendent. But... We would love, we, so we have 40 now, uh, you know, all across the United States, very strategically placed that are an extension, for example, of Chuck's reach, you know, as senior director, Chuck, Chuck's got almost a thousand schools up and down the East Coast. He can't possibly uh, minister to, consult, connect, you know, with every single one of them on a regular basis. So a field director like Doc Sherrill or, or someone else who, um, you know, is in a, 
that is a highly credible leader, that is a leader among leaders and, and uh, can assist and uh, kind of pay it forward, as it were. Part of our vision beyond, you know, sort of the garden variety, you know, uh, field director is to actually have state advocacy, at least one field director in every state that is going to be dialed in to uh, the issues that are happening in the legislature, hot button type stuff. So again, we want to mobilize. We need to, you know, <laughs> we talk about stronger together at ACSI kind of, you know, that is so much more than a slogan. Mm -hmm. It's true, right? As the body of Christ for such a time, especially now, if there was ever a time when we were to come together to advocate and to, uh, to speak up and, and uh, mobilize, uh, and it's about what we're for, right? I That's love right. what you said earlier, James, because <clears throat> so often, you know, as Christians, we're known for what we oppose, That's right? right. And, uh, and, and I love the fact that, that we're, our focus is on religious freedom, on choice, on things that pretty much, you know, whether you're a supporter of Christian schools or not, you can agree on the, you know, the importance of, uh, of having that kind of freedom and that kind of choice, um, you know, in the United States of America. And uh, so we're, you know, we're continuing to work at that. Our, our plan is to have as many as 100 field directors uh, as we look out towards 2030. You are actually on that critical conversation mm -hmm. team for North America. So appreciated your involvement there. But um, we just have to continue to do more uh, so that we can uh, be united and moving forward together. Uh, because as Chuck was saying earlier, the, the environment out there can be pretty hostile, depending on where you are. We've been fortunate in the South, eh? Like we're kind of, you know, I live in Alabama. We had a, a couple of schools in Alabama, buckle of the Bible belt. You know, we're not dealing with the, some of the same kinds of issues as in Vermont and California, um, but we're in this thing together. And sure. so we need to support each other as much as we can. But we will be. And, that, and that's kind of like, and we you will know, be. Com coming yeah. to a school it's near coming. you is what kind of yeah. way, the yeah. way you guys phrased it. Uh, I, I served for 12 years in New England, so I, I totally understand what it is uh, to be in a place where there are, there are very few, uh, you know, people who are evangelical believers. And, uh, and, and just the challenges that are inherent to that. I served for 15 years in Savannah, uh, which is a, a very different place than even here in, in, in north of Atlanta. Um, it's, it's fascinating to see, even in my, my three years, I'm just starting my fourth year here, here at Hebron, and uh, to even see how Gwinnett County has changed just in three yeah. years. There's been a, a marked shift uh, uh, you know, in, in, to the left, and so it's been so intriguing to watch that. And, and that's where I, you know, I had the, the, the privilege of actually being in the State House a couple of years ago when they were doing debates over SB 10 and SB 43, which is providing funding for uh, kids with any type of educational needs. And uh, what was so intriguing is to watch the lobbyists work and, and, you know, the folks who were kind of part of that discussion. We had people who were, uh, you know, heads of Christian schools. Uh, there was a Muslim school there. There was non-sectarian, non just private schools related to that. What was so interesting is that all of us were, were saying the same thing. You know, this idea that we have to be able to help these families so that the parents have this choice in relation to this. Now, we take it from a faith perspective. And again, you know, I've chatted with some folks when they're like really nervous about having other schools. But hey, listen, if truth is true, then the truth still surfaces. It just does. So I'm, right. I'm not worried about that. The gospel is still the gospel. The gospel is still true. And that's part of the mission field that we're working with, you know, um, which is which is such an enormous, an enormous part of what we're doing. Um, hey, let's dig into leadership here just for a little bit. Uh, as, as we're thinking about kind of kind of what it is to orchestrate change in organizations, 
what it is to orchestrate, uh, you know, just transitions and, and different components, the newness of leadership, the challenges of leadership. What do you guys see as, as kind of the biggest challenges uh, that we face as leaders in Christian schools? And how are you combating those pieces? Wow, it's a it's a great question. You know, we, we talk about everything rises and falls on leadership, right? And you, I thought you hit the nail on the head earlier, James, when you were talking about how it just takes one, just takes one person in leadership, just takes one board member, conceivably, you know? Uh, and uh, I think uh, I'd be interested to hear what Chuck, Chuck has to say, but one of the things that um, I see consistently, um, especially if we're talking Christian schools in particular and Christian school leadership, is the importance of governance, the governance model, the way in which the board and the head of school work together. Um, and uh, we see train wrecks, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, every so often because the board gets out of its lane, the board doesn't understand or certain board members don't understand their role, their responsibilities, things like that. They're, that's a very important leadership, uh, you know, uh, function that they're performing as a board. Um and, and hopefully that's happening in lockstep with the head of school. And, and they're all sort of pulling from the same, same side of the rope, as it were. Um, but we uh, have done a, a extreme makeover on our board training um, uh, modules and are wanting to really focus as much as we, time as we can, as, as we can, on the board head of school relationship and, and the nature of... Um, biblical leadership, elder-like qualities in board members, things like that, that, um, again, sometimes we're tempted to uh, invite someone onto the board that might be a person of means that's, uh, you know, super wealthy, has donated a lot to the school, but, uh, you know, again, testimony, sure. not really but sure. But they might you not know. be missional aligned. Yeah, yeah, might not be missionally aligned. Exactly. And so um, this is, you know, these are issues that we deal with on a regular basis that are not, you know, a simple, there are not simple solutions necessarily, but, um, but as we are able to get into uh, our schools and train boards and, and offer them resources and that kind of thing, again, to keep them on track, you know, because things can get off the rails in a hurry. They need to understand that the head of school is their sole employee, you know, all of, all of the kinds of things that are best practices as far as governance. Um, and if schools do not kind of move in that direction to kind of regularly train their board and, and uh, have them understand uh, roles and responsibilities, then, uh, you know, as we said before, you know, things can change really quickly. And um, so that's an area of leadership that needs to be continually kind of attended to and, uh, you know, an area that ACSI uh, is willing to help in as well. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Chuck? Yeah, I did a, like an informal research study on this um, probably two summers ago. So I, I reached out to about 15 heads across the country and I asked them a couple questions. I asked them, you know, what do you embrace and what do you avoid? Mm. And I was, I was really trying to, to think through the issue of longevity mm. and how do you persevere? Because I think the average right now for a head of school is about three years, right. roughly. And I got some wonderful responses from it. And it, uh, from it, I kind of put it into like a couple different things that I use in a presentation. But the one that I was thinking about while, while David was talking was I, the, the, the heads that I heard from that have been in the game for a while and can, have endured are the ones who are able to separate out their identity from the position. And I'm, 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 not, I'm talking about any position right now. We're talking about a head of school, but any position. I think what we say to the 
teenager who's having a, you know, a fallout over a relationship, we would say to them, hey, you need to find your identity in Christ. I think we have to say that to ourselves. So whatever role you're in right mm. now, if your identity is wrapped up in that position, it will kill you. It will drive you into the ground. But if you can separate out who you are from what you do, I think you can last. Mm -hmm. And that means I get up every morning remembering that I'm a child of the Lord. Um, his favor is upon me. He is for me. He's doing good to me. It's gonna, it may be a really rough day, but if I, I, the days when I found my identity in being ahead of school, like I'm ahead of school, were the days where I got gut punched or where I was really down because it's such a cyclical job. Mm -hmm. And we just plug in any position into what I'm saying right now. So for me, I think that was a big takeaway. I, I think what I heard from them was keep preaching to yourself. Shift back into I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a child of the King. He is working for my good always. And what I do is I'm head of school. It's a tough job. I think it's the toughest job there is. There are so many layers, and, and, and James not asked me to say this, but there are so many layers to what you do and mm -hmm. what you have to manage and who you have to deal with and all the plates that have to be keep spinning. If I found my, the days when I found my, my social well-being, my, my mental health in my position were the days where I was really off. But when I could shift back to who I was as a follower of Jesus Christ— then I was, I could find peace and mm. knowing that the Lord's in control of this. And we've been through it. I mean, mm -hmm. if you've led through 2020, we've led through 2008, which right. was another gut punch. We, we led through George Floyd. We led through seasons where it was somewhat catastrophic in ways, shutting down our entire schools. Those were seasons where we had to rest in the Lord and mm. just say, he's working all things out. You know, I've, I've boiled so much of this down, like, like the epiphany that I've had over the last 10 years is really the impetus for this show is, is the idea of when we view our lives and from a vocational perspective, we all happen to be in Christian education, but yeah. frankly, most people listening aren't. Uh, when we view our lives as a calling, like when we take, when we take our, our, eyes off of the idea that this is just our job, this is yeah. just our vocation, but instead to say there, uh, there's actually a higher calling that I have. And right. so on the show, I've had attorneys and entrepreneurs and, and doctors and, and all of these different people in different, in different fields, different walks of life, different career paths. But the, the one unifying factor with every person that I try to have on the show is to have men and women who are leaders but men and women who understand that what they're doing is their calling. Right. And that when we, you know, I see so many people in different jobs. And again, it doesn't matter whether you're a surgeon or an attorney or a head of school or a teacher. That if we take our eyes as, as believers, as we take our eyes off of this and just think that this is just our job, then during the hard days, during the hard times, we go, boom, I'm out. Right. Like, this stinks. There's an easier way to make money, you know? Right. And we see that in all different fields. But when we take that and really understand, hey, this is my calling, it yeah. can transition what we do. So that on the hard days that are kind of a bummer, uh, and and there, are, I would love to say that that only happens once every few years, you know. <laughs> but but you know, nice I think try. sometimes it happens like a few times a week. Uh, but but during that, when we understand that it's a calling, that's what allows us to weather the storm. Yeah, and that also gives us such influence. Like for me, I'm dealing with a heart issue or whatnot, right? Which can be a real bummer. 
But then I get to be able to look into God's word with that kid or that parent who's going through the hard thing. And now that changes everything. It changes the whole idea that I I have the privilege of being able to do this. A a dear friend of mine, Matt, he'd always say, we get to do this, that we like, I now get to proclaim. And, 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 you know, uh, uh, later on, we're going to be taping a show with a, a friend of mine who's a doctor, and he has the same mindset that he prays with all of his patients. He, you know, he's been able to to really be able to impact the kingdom through his role. Love Why? It. Because he isn't just a doctor. This yep. is his calling. This isn't just his job. Yeah. You know, and I, I I think like that to me is one of those critical issues that I think transitions people's uh, perspective. I also think. Almost everybody that I've seen do a job for a long time and frankly still be killing it, right? So there are folks who retired a long time ago. They just didn't tell anyone. and, and so people who are killing it still, they're, they're in the same gig for, for multiple decades. Almost always I track it back to the idea of calling. They've recognized that there's a higher purpose Amen. to what they're doing. Yeah. You know, And that's where I consider like what a privilege it is that we have the an enormous opportunity for you for you how, how many kids are in the eastern division for you what was the number you 270,000 I think I mean right. huge yeah. how many kids are in North America oh my goodness right uh, at 600 I think 600 uh, North America well USA is almost 600 I think yeah probably I, I would think over 600,000 if yeah. you include Canada in the mix right. uh, a little bit smaller so I mean here you know yeah. like when we think about this idea that we have this privilege for me you know I've got 1300 so but for us to have the opportunity to be able to give that lesson day in and day out, that if God's calling you to be a historian or a, a, you know, a professor or a, or a doctor or a lawyer, for you to grasp that idea that when our identity is in Christ, just like you're saying, Chuck, yeah. when our identity is in Christ, then we don't serve just to get a paycheck so that we can pay our mortgage and, right. our, and our car payments. Like yep. We serve because God's called us to that. And I, and I think, you know, as a kid of the 70s and 80s, a lot of times it was just the professional holy guys who ever got to be professional holy guys. But in the Bible, it says we're all ministers. If we're going to, if we're really, if we're really doing this right, that's right. We're meant to be ministers, but in our sphere of influence. And that's kind of at the epicenter. That's what we're trying to do on this show is to really give pictures uh, to people so that they can say, hey, I'm, I'm in this. You know, I, I was chatting with a guy about two years ago. And uh, I, I'm a pretty excitable fellow. Both of you guys know me pretty well. And so I, I, I stay at a fairly high pace, uh, much to the chagrin of my bride many times. But uh, uh, I was chatting with a guy who was a stunt pilot. Now, can you picture there being any more exciting job than being like, that's not a bad gig. I get to fly, I, every day I go to work and I fly in circles like, you know, like that would be pretty fun. He's a stunt pilot. And he was so bored with his job. Like, I chatted with him on the side, like, how in the world are you making a stunt pilot be boring? And this guy's a, he was a believer, and, and so we had great chat, conversations about faith. But I, I was challenging with the idea, well, how do you use this for, for, the, for God's glory? Like, how are right. you? And so when we transition our mind into that mindset, that's what builds longevity, I think. Yeah. You know, Agreed. is that is that that challenge, you know? Um, so what's next for everybody? We're, we're talking about the North American initiative. We're talking about kind of changing into some global ideas. What are you guys seeing next for ACSI? Yeah, it's uh, these are exciting days. Our, our president, uh, Dr. Larry Taylor, likes to say great days ahead, great days ahead. And, and I'll tell you what, he's absolutely right. Um, we, uh, we see challenges, you know, ahead for our, our schools and for us as an organization, but 
Um, these are exciting times. ACSI, uh, as ACSI 2.0 continues to emerge, uh, the, the vision that God gave us a few years ago uh, that includes those three pillars that some folks uh, listening in might may or may not be familiar with, advocacy, advancing, and access. There's a lot kind of wrapped up in those, but we are continuing to build out that strategic plan, which we really believe is from the Lord. Um, and, uh, you know, through 2030 and beyond, um, becoming global is really at the heart of, of that. Um, but digital initiatives and a whole host of other things that uh, are haven't been completely rolled out yet. Folks will begin to see more and more over the next few years. But um, our president is just outstanding, and uh, we we have a, an excellent team. And so we're we're really getting after it. We're having a lot of fun, but we're getting after it and and uh, wanting to serve our school better than ever mm-hmm. going forward. I think Chuck. Yeah, agreed. So we're in your part of this. We're the 2030 plan is what we're focused on. So we had this you know, shoot for the moon. What, what could we be by 2030? And then we, you know, put that into these critical conversations, which you were a part of. And, and right now what we're doing is they're synthesizing all of that, all those critical conversations and what is achievable by 2030. And so now we'll roll out what that's going to look like. And David touched on a few of those things. And so I think we're in that season of um, how can we prayerfully support you? It's a unique ministry because while we're helping Hebron at 1,300, we're helping XYZ school at 75 students or whatever the case may be. So how are we meeting the needs of all of our schools um, on, a, on a national level and, and globally? So that's where we're at right now in that strategic planning phase and looking to roll out the, the next iteration of who we're going to be as an association. I'm excited about it. And in the middle of that, you know, the digital initiatives that we're putting out, we're revamping all of our professional development. We're rethinking accreditation. We just redid all of that process with the new Inspire protocols to the certification yeah, piece you mentioned certification earlier. Certification piece. Yeah. Um, we're we're um, one of the things that I think is really going to be cool is we're rolling out stuff through our ministry department that's going to help with student leadership, with parent development, which we think is a big piece within our schools because, as we've already talked about, families are coming. Right. It's the community. It's the whole. Community. What is Christian right. education? You know, you're fleeing from something, but fleers sometimes keep fleeing if we don't help them understand. Uh, the mission. So that's a, that's a big part. We've just totally revamped student activities, which uh, is no longer called student activities. We're really trying to be 21st uh, century thinking in that so that it's not just, we'll always have a spelling bee type mm-hmm, mentality. Mm-hmm. There's going to be that, but we need uh, things for our entrepreneurs. We need Shark Tank. We need uh, STEM competitions, all the things that are going to be next level competitions for our students so so and the new name the student new name. leadership and learning and it's all about um enriching experiences beyond the classroom you know that kind of thing one thing i'll mention that i've been excited about um lynn swanner dr lynn swanner our chief strategy innovation officer and i came on board at, in 2015 uh, both arrived at the same time and and uh you know we <laughs> in many ways you know in eight years, we've become a vastly different organization. We're much more nimble. I think we're leaner. Uh, we're much more strategic now. But I'll tell you what, the the research, that's a piece that is continuing to kind of develop and evolve uh, from some of, uh, some of the things that we did with Barna uh, early on to uh, research around sustainability, around faith, uh, flourishing, 
and uh, our, our five domains, 35 constructs that comprise the flourishing research. I mean, this is incredible work that's being done uh, by Dr. Swanner and, and uh, her team. And uh, that will continue on into the future as well. And, uh, and again, trying to do things for many, you're, you're in a well-resourced school and, you know, HCA can do some things that uh, other schools can only dream of <laughs> to some degree. Um, uh, but we want to help all of our schools, absolutely. But in a lot of cases, especially with the research, the breadth of the research, we're able to do some things that our Christian schools couldn't possibly do. And that's part of, I think, what makes the, the future of ACSI and Christian education so exciting is, um, you know, being able to um, provide resources, provide research that is only going to help our schools get better uh, and, and be on that path of continuous improvement that we all believe in so much uh, for God's glory. It's awesome. Well, I, listen, I pray for you guys all the time. I pray for Larry Taylor. He's just a unique visionary leader uh, who is who is you know fighting the good fight. So and a guys, great guy, a great guy, <laughs> a great. And again, no relation of mine, but uh, but he's just a just a great guy. Guys, thank you so much for being on yeah. the show today. Uh, the high calling of Christian education, uh, I believe, with my whole heart, is going to be one of the greatest impetuses for the spread of the gospel Absolutely. in this next generation. Yep. And I feel like you know us telling that authentic message is going to be crucial to the stability of our nation. I really believe it yeah. that we've got to have young men and young women stepping into leadership roles uh, in a deliberate fashion, where they're bringing an authentic faith into those roles. And I think it's going to be crucial. And so I, I, I really believe you guys are on absolutely the front lines of uh of what this looks like and and i appreciate your service and i'm going to be continuing to pray for you guys thanks for jumping on the show today yeah thank hey. you we appreciate you great to be here we hope you enjoyed this episode of the joy of leadership podcast living in the center of god's will is a rare blessing in today's day and age help us share this vital story of passionate leadership if you would like to comment on the show or if you know someone who would be a perfect guest contact us at thejoyofleadership at gmail.com. If you like the show and don't want to miss a single episode, make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. <laughs>